Welcome to Out of the Box with Christine, the podcast for conscious folk. I am your host, Christine Blasdale. This program is intended to bring you a fresh perspective on this thing we call life. And in each and every episode, we're going to dive into the topics that matter most with lively conversations on issues such as business, health, wealth, love, and transformational healing, all with the goal of creating a better world and becoming a happier human being. I will be your tour guide on this epic adventure, and as we embark on this journey, our ultimate goal is going to be one of transformation to our highest potential. And now, let's get out of the box. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Out of the Box with Christine. I am your host, Christine Blasdale, and I am so excited about today's show. I feel like it's Christmas. Like it's Christmas morning and I've come out in my little jammies with my sleepy eyes and I'm waking and there's a present under the tree. And the tree has this beautiful present wrapped up in Mrs. Kasha Davis, who is my special guest today. Drag queen, motivational speaker, extraordinaire. And my my new BFF, I think, is Mrs. Kasha Davis, AKA Ed Popel. We were laughing (laughs) about that because you're not you're such not an ed or eddie no but it's uh ed popel is your uh i guess your your birth name your real name uh who is the workhorse queen not only does she travel the world helping uh, entrepreneurs claim their passion but also she's a motivational speaker and teaches how you can love what you do and that beautiful thing of self-love and forgiveness and i couldn't think of a better human being to have on the show Thank you so very much, Mrs. Kasha Davis, for coming with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for that lovely introduction. You know, when you talk about the Christmas tree, it's my favorite ever because when I was a little boy, girl, gal, girl, boy, fella, (laughs) I used to sit and under, we had the Christmas tree, but we also had the platform back then with the trains and there was a tunnel. And I used to think, I want to live in that neighborhood. Well, lo and behold, I live in a neighborhood that has a train and a tunnel, you know? And so, I, you know, when you talk about that Christmas, it brought me right to that moment. And uh, just kind of like imagining and believing that something like that could be possible. So thanks for that intro. Well, and you're, you're just the absolute perfect guest because, you know, out of the box with Christine, it's all about consciously walking our way through life and especially for people who are in business but i mean you chose a field that that is well it's quite interesting number one but number two and you even mentioned this a little bit in your bio it's very youth focused and and you have been doing this for a very long time can you just give us a little bit of a background when did you when did you decide to just kind of say okay ed I'm coming into my own and I am going to be the fabulous Mrs. Kasha Davis. Oh when gosh. did that happen? Well, I'll tell you, you know, it happened as life does sometimes organically and things just kept, you know, coming together. I grew up in a small town in Scranton, Pennsylvania, outside of Scranton called Taylor. And, you know, it was back in the seventies and eighties. And back then, you know, Liberace and Barry Manilow, They were all straight. And so I had to be too, you know, I had to live in the closet and I I could not be myself. And I was always positioned as I had to be somebody different. And so this feminine side of of who I am uh, was suppressed for so many years. And I gravitated to the theater And I remember that was a place where I could flourish, where I could be silly and I could be myself essentially, but I was actually portraying somebody else. I was free to flail my arms. I was free to, you know, drag my S's and be me. Well, you know, fast forward, I get married to the first woman who says yes. And I eventually, you know, move to uh, a city to uh, uh, Rochester, New York to open a call center. And I stumble upon, as, as life progresses, drag. And I'm like, what? Okay, that's fun. It's fine. It's fun. <laughs> no, whatever. But I ended up getting inspired. Mr. Davis, my husband, and I went to P-Town, Provincetown, and we saw Miss Richfield, 1981. And if you don't know her, look her up. She's my 
she inspired me to do drag. And she was telling this, you know, she had a theatrical character. She was telling her story through humor. And by the end, she had a message. And it was more than just lip syncing a song. And I thought, that's what I want to be. And uh, I did it for fun. You know, I, I knew since I was a child, I was meant to be on stage. And I knew since I was a child, I loved everybody. And I meant I was meant to be a positive influencer. What the heck do you do with those things? I didn't oh, know you're making me cry. Gosh, <laughs> I'm totally, I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, and, you know, and so many, so many young, I mean, young kids that are in also like middle America, but also in different countries where it is not cool. It's not cool to be gay. It's not cool to, if you're a boy to have feminine um, qualities. Uh, if you're not, a, if you're a girl, I was, I'm, I'm the same. I was like a boy, girl, burl, goy. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah. I just was me. I would, I just was me. And when you're really little, it's acceptable kind of a little bit for girls. It's acceptable to be a little tomboyish. And I know for boys that it's so hard. Um, it's so hard growing up if you don't have that support, right? If you don't have that family support, and I think a great deal of your message is, is about forgiveness. And if you don't mind how, if you can tell the story about when you, well, when you probably, when you came out to your family um, in, in little Scranton, Pennsylvania, how that was, because Pennsylvania is also, isn't that the Amish capital? Well, it's near it. It's a yeah. coal mining town. Uh -huh. And my father was a U.S. Marshal, retired at the time. And my mother was an Avon district sales manager, so she was a beauty consultant. And, um, you know, everything about them, the turmoil that was inside the house was kept secret because the shell on the outside had to be a certain way. Yeah. And so I moved, I had divorced my ex-wife and I moved to Rochester, New York and came out and I came home to come out to them. And when I told them, you know, my mother was kind of also dramatic and funny. She's like, no, 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 you don't want to touch somebody's pickle or put your pickle in somebody's dupe. I was like, mom, what the hell are, you know? And she was devastated. She's like, how are you going to have children? Gay people don't have children. I, you love, you're, you're our firstborn. I never want to talk to you again. She's dramatic. And I was like, whatever. But my father said, I, you know, I know we no longer want to see you. And he spit in my face and told me to get out. Oh no. So I did, you know, and I rebuilt a family and I, found that family of friends in the community, but I found more uh, understanding of who I was in that time frame. It was like going to college of me, learning about who I was in, at that time. And uh, I think they were just scared. And again, back in the 70s and 80s when I was growing up, you know, there, there were no examples of happy, healthy homosexuals, right? It was on television, what you saw, were hookers, you know, especially if, if anybody was trans, um, there, you know, and then there was, you know, drunks, drugs, and drugs, drugs, yeah. and silly and flamboyant. They're light in the loafers. They're all comedians, but no true happy, healthy lives. And so now we're fast forwarding into a time where shows like RuPaul's Drag Race and etc. We're seeing more. We're hearing more with podcasts. And uh, th those examples, that's what I'm, a pas I'm passionate about, uh, providing those examples for people to, to see that it's okay to be exactly who you are. To be exactly who you are. That is so important. I remember when I came out, I was so terrified. I was so afraid to, uh, to, to formally come out to my, my family. Uh, my grandmother, I, I had the conversation with my grandmother who I was really worried about because it's my grandmother and she's right. the oldest of the clan, right? And and I was always her little cricket and her favorite. And so I said, Grandma, yeah, I'm gay. I, I like yeah. women. And she just looked at me and she's like, well, you're still my cricket, aren't you? And I was, I was like, yes, I am. I love you. And then I went to my, and then I went to my, uh, my dad, who I thought would be really upset because he was conservative, Republican. Uh, and I was yeah. so nervous about him. Um, and a very big guy, overwhelming. And when I came up to him, he was like, well, of course you were. I, I knew that when you were little, you had posters of Farrah Fawcett over your bed. And I thought <laughs> everybody had posters of Farrah Fawcett over their bed, but 
He's like, yeah. no, of course you are. It was my mom who had the hardest time because I was her daughter that she thought was going to marry a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, and have the kids. And she thought that, that because of my, because of who I was attracted to and who I loved, it was going to, I might, my life was going to be in danger. Right. She thought right. someone was going to hurt me. Uh, and she was like, well, who, you know, how are you going to marry that? And I said, I wouldn't, even if I was straight, I wouldn't want to marry someone just because they're a doctor or a lawyer <laughs> right. because I love them, <laughs> you know? but she's come around now. She's fantastic. She loves my wife, loves See, my that, wife. Oh my gosh. And so that's much. the wonderful thing is that unfortunately, you know, uh, there were no examples back then for, for me of, uh, of marriage. And then because it wasn't legal and people just didn't even necessarily talk about it because it was a, it was seen as unheard of but then also it was it, it you know it is this fear of the future but really right in the moment that you're in everything's okay and your son or daughter is is loving who they are and they still want to be a part of your life and so i think that's what it, it always comes down to that fear of like what's going to happen you know i can't what are people going to say and people don't care <laughs> you know i mean it's that we think that everybody's going to be like oh wow did you see what happened over at the popals you know no <laughs> I mean, they've got their own stuff that they're dealing with in their homes you know but that's the that's becomes the, the process and then as you say as parents the you know we want their approval but they want us safe and um they may make some statements and things. And it, it just, as, as you said, eventually my parents did come around and it took me though, having to forgive them mm -hmm. and let it go. Cause the, you know, just because you're a parent doesn't make, doesn't mean you're a perfect person. doesn't right. mean you know exactly what to do. So well, and that forgiveness yeah. too, in the, the ability to have that forgiveness for you makes you free and, and, and allows you, so you don't hold on to that hurt and and make it a big story that's the other thing is the things that happen to us in life we can it's how we react right so we can either think that something happened if somebody breaks up with you it could be the worst thing in the world and why did they do that or it could be wow okay i dodged a bullet okay maybe <laughs> right. this, this person is not the one for me and maybe the one that is is out there but i can't get to them if i'm with this creep or this you know person yeah. right let me tell you i told the stories i stayed in the wreckage there it wasn't until i went through my journey of sobriety that i started to realize that the the forgiveness was important because what i was doing was i was anesthetizing and not staying present and instead of driving straight through the shit, i was taking all these detours a la box wine or shots of vodka and not actually dealing with things and then as you're saying the story was, can you believe what happened to me? You know, I'm the only one who's ever, you know, had to come up to their parents, apparently, <laughs> you know, and, but that is how, you know, it was a part of that process of, of getting to that point. But for me, it was important to put down the alcohol because when I did, then I was able to face these things and find the forgiveness. Well, and you're talking about a time too, when you, when you came out and, and were honest and, and open with your family, you're talking about a time and at an area of America too, that's we, America in general, there's pockets of religion, uh -huh. of, of, of religion and the dogma that you're, you know, you're going to hell. It's a sin. Uh, in, in some imaginations, I think that if, if you come out and you say you're gay, um, or bi or trans they're they're imagining like trapeze in your house and wild sex parties and right. and what people don't understand is that in in a normal in any kind of relationship you go through the same shit you i'm married and we have teenagers yeah uh, we go through <laughs> the same stuff like can you please put the toilet roll back on right our our <laughs> daughter our daughters are 26 and 28 and we're just glad that they want to say hello to us sometimes you know i mean at this point and actually you know we we recently got a king size bed not because we want the room because we have a dog it's the dog 
who sleeps in between us. And now I say, Steve, I think you're in bed. You're all the way over there. So it's like, you know, a nice handshake. And we're like, good night. You know, so this, I wish there was a trapeze. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never did that. You know, um, you know, and, and I think because of the fact, both myself and my husband, Steve, both were married to women. He had the two children and they are my daughter, stepdaughters now. Um, you know, I think that love is love. And we both realized that firsthand we loved our wives, but we weren't being authentic to ourselves or to them. And it's a horrible thing to do to somebody is to pretend, you know, uh, that you that, that this is what you want, regardless, regardless of sexual, I mean, like, if you don't want to be in the relationship, don't do it to yourself, but don't do it to that to the other person either. Um, and so but love is love. And so when I see those little cute little things at Target that say love is love, I buy them all because it's true. You know, it's, it is truly no different. You know, too many people focus on what happens in the bedroom and mostly nothing happens in the bedroom. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm like, what are you talking about? What happens in your bedroom, straight people? Who has time? <laughs> right. So, yeah. But it's, it's more about what I felt, who, who, I fell in love with the man who brought me a cup, a cup of coffee one morning. And I was like, wow, I feel like I'm always the one who does something for other people. It was very sweet and kind of you to know what I take in my coffee and to bring it over to me. I, was, I started to cry that day and I knew that I was falling in love that moment when it was little things like that. You know, it's not about the nightclub and the, you know, the thongs and all that. <laughs> no. Never very it's good about that look. It's about that look. When when my wife looks at me with her eyes and how she looks at me, it's it's all encompassing. And the things that we don't necessarily like with her, like I I have a weird thing about my earlobes. I think that I look like Buddha. You know, I've always had these long <laughs> earlobes or little things on, about me that even I'm a little self conscious of. She loves and adores, and it's like. It's like if you wrote, when you find your human, and I know you understand this because you've met your human, but when you finally meet your human, it's like you had written a, an ingredient list to God and you say, okay, I'm going to make the perfect, whatever, lasagna. I don't know. Right. And, and I, and I need, and I need this, and this is what I want in the person. And they have to be, have a sense of humor and they have to be sexy and, but they have to not be not be too worried about being sexy and they could be silly and oh smart in a in a in a in a funny smart intelligent way you know like that oh i get and then you give it to god and then they deliver this person that is everything that's on your checklist but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be trials and tribulations and you know you might get sick one day and take have to take care of each other this it's just life and when you really love right. that human being you're you're honored. You feel honored to do those things, right? Right. Absolutely. And you know, what, going back to the Christmas tree set is that, you know, dare, dare to be that child again and to imagine what it is that you're looking for in your life and it will manifest and it will come to fruition. You know, when I was a kid, I remember thinking of a Stephen and I would be like, oh, where did I hear this name? Like, I don't, I didn't have any friends named Stephen. And I imagined that, you know, I, and I thought, oh, well, it's the guy on Dynasty, the first gay guy or the first gay kiss. His name was Steven. You know, I always put it back to that. But no, I think, I believe that there are soulmates and some of them are meant to be a relationship and others, you know, to me, a soulmate of mine is Tina Turner. Just her energy and her positivity and her resilience and her path and life to keep going. And, you know, she's a workhorse queen. And I think, you know, there are people like that you just, click with and you immediately know that there's either a past that you had together or you were you know you were meant to be in that moment again and it could be just somebody in the grocery store you know you may not have a you may not need to have a very long relationship but you're meant to talk to each other i drove recently uh past a woman i had to pull over and say hello to her i scared her a little she's probably <laughs> I wasn't she's 80 some i assume years old and I, on my way every morning to my AA meeting, I drive past this woman and she walks in the rain, in the snow, in the sleet, in the whatever, every day on this kind of busy road. And she's 
feeble and she stops and she bends over. The one time I thought she got hurt and I was like, are you okay? She's like, fine. It's, I just stretching. And I was like, I'm okay. <laughs> so the other day I stopped and I said, I just want to say hello. And she's like, I'm so glad you did. I see you every morning. And so we're meant, I'm meant to know her, even if it was just for that moment and to be inspired by the fact that at 80, whatever, keep moving, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's all I'm ever supposed to know about her, but like, I'm, you felt that comp that that compelling. See that that's something that's very key. That when it's something that's pulling you to say something, to do something. I've had the same thing. Uh, back in California, I'm in Australia right now, but back in California, you know, we have a, a lot of people who are homeless. It's that's the situation. And I remember going into a uh, gas station uh, convenience store, and standing outside was this woman who had obviously been homeless for quite some time. She wasn't asking anything. She was just standing there. I think she was kind of almost like resting. And as I walked by her, I felt like I knew her and, and like, like an old type, like, like many, many right. lifetimes ago type thing. And I said, well, this is just odd. And I, I'm, just, I'm doing my thing, right? I'm trying to, trying to get my gas and trying to get, get on the road again. And as I'm standing there, I get that download and that compelling thing. You must talk to her. You need to connect with her. And so when I was there, I bought a few things, um, some fruit and some water and some things like that to give to her. And when I came out, uh, I just, I started a conversation with her and it was as if she was like some master teacher, almost like Yoda, right? Yes. <laughs> this brilliant, amazing human being. And that compelling feeling I got and that download, that, that voice, whatever your voice, uh, thoughts, something was telling me, get her a hotel room. And I said to the I said, Oh, I, really? And, and yes, yeah, get her a hotel room. Right. And I asked her, I said, when was the last time you had a decent night's sleep? And she looked at me and she said, maybe six months ago, she doesn't sleep. She has to keep one eye open because right. it's so dangerous. It's so dangerous for anyone who's homeless. People, cruel people hurt them. Um, horrible. Uh, but especially being a woman. And so right. I just went and I, I said, come on. I said, do you trust me? She said, yeah. She got in my car. I went to a little, it was Motel 6. It was right near right. there. And I went to the gentleman. I said, you stay right here. I went inside and I said, I am renting this room for this woman. And I said, I want you to give her a late checkout. And I said, I don't want you to hassle her about anything. Here's my credit card. I will pay for everything. Treat her with respect. And the guy was so moved by it. He said, you got it. She's going to, you know, she'll be treated like a queen. And so when I came back to the car, I gave her the keys. And I said, you're going to have a good night's sleep. You can rest. You're safe. You're protected. And you can take a bath and watch TV if you want, whatever you want. And she just... She looked at me like I, like I was an angel. And what it was, was she said, thank you. And I said, no, thank you. Because what that gave me was so much more because she was a master teacher in some other lifetime. And it was just repaying her a, a small little thing. But those things, when we feel compelled to act on them, that is so important. Yeah. So important. I love Thank you for sharing that story. It's beautiful. And it's an example, such a strong example of trusting that instinct. And, you know, we can find that instinct in so many areas of our lives yeah. to just to trust it and to not second guess it, not to overthink it and to believe that that message is from wherever and we're compelled to do so. And, you know, it's, it's just the kindest thing to do to not only to do what you did, but to trust that the information is meant to happen. And if it doesn't, you know, we, we have those times where it doesn't, but you know, if we can, you know, do so, you know, we're not telling people now your job is to go drive around and find no. everyone, <laughs> room. you know, because it's not always the case. I know for me, when I, it doesn't happen so much uh, uh, it, here in Rochester, there are people, the homeless people in certain places. But if you go to a big city, as you say, you never know when you're going to walk past somebody. And I do. 
I literally, as I'm approaching, I kind of almost go into a state of like, what do I decide to do? And sometimes I'm, I don't feel compelled to help. Um, and I trust that, you know, you can't do, put yourself in a position where you're, you know. No, but you listen to, if you're listening, if you're really listening to, and again, I can't put my, I, I, it's feeble to put a word to it, the universe, God, whatever. But if you just in tune with that and know that you're guided and, and also if it's not reciprocated, she could have said, you know what? No. And she could have started speaking Jewish and, 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 but that does it, it doesn't matter. It was your intention is the most important thing. Right. So, um, so yeah, so I want to encourage everybody. We're, we're both encouraging everybody that's watching (laughs) this and listening to this. If you're watching on YouTube, you are in for a treat. If you're not, if you're listening to this on a podcast show, find the YouTube video um, because um, I've had tears. <laughs> I've been moved to tears and um, it's just so important to listen to that. And speaking of that, I want to uh, go into, for those who are, you know, it's, this is the show for also entrepreneurs, for people who are either starting their business or who have their own business, who want to grow and become successful, not, and I'm not just talking financially, you know that, like when I say success, I mean, doing what you love, loving what you do, helping others, because some people are more philanthropic, they want to help their communities, they want it, some people want to write their books, some people want to be speakers. Can, can, let's talk about some things that people can do, especially when it comes to that self-love, because I find that a lot of the clients that I work with, some of their, they, they're, they can be extremely talented and gifted in a particular area, but it's that confidence, but also that self-love that that's what they're needing the, the coaching on. That's what they're really needing work right. with. Um, and you've spoken about this so much. Do you just, can you give us some golden nuggets to help people out? <laughs> you know, I think, it's interesting. It, I, uh, so much of what I do goes back to uh, ch- children and childhood and learning from children and learning from educator, educators uh, and authors for children's books. You know, it's very simple. It's very clear. Uh, we are to love ourselves. Now, that sounds conceited. That sounds obnoxious. And some people are uncomfortable with that for back to the earlobes for whatever reason, physically, uh, uh, whatever they've been taught in the past. But I remember as a child, my mother said to me, you know, you need to, after you brush your teeth, you need to look into the mirror every morning and look into your beautiful eyes as deep as you can and say, I love you. You don't have to say it out loud or you can. And I have in my life in difficult times, I've had to hold myself to the mirror and force myself to look into my eyes and with tears down my face, not believing it, having to say it, you know, and it changes something in you when you do that, because it is so important to love yourself. And that is the key to any, to keeping the light on within in ourselves and to follow and do what we love now, I'll never forget my father, my ex-father-in-law, my ex-wife and I were like, we want to open a business. We're 20 years old. We want to open a business. Okay, well, what do you want to do? But I don't know, whatever makes money. He's like, okay, it's not about that. We were like, well, why would you do it? And he's like, <laughs> you know, and so he was like, what do you love? And we were like, ice cream to be sarcastic. He's like, great, let's open the best freaking ice cream place ever and turn it into a franchise and put Ben and Jerry's out of business or whatever. And we sat there in silence because we were like, oh my God, that's so simple. But it's sometimes the hardest thing to do to love yourself and to do what you love. Because immediately you start to say, what's this person going to say? Oh, I have self-doubt. Oh, that person does it better. And that self-sabotaging brings you back to my life. Well, I'll just do what is the most realistic thing and you know, I'm going to work in business. And I did. And I found- I'll do the most responsible thing. Yeah. And I found that joy and I made it work. I'm, I find joy. I find the joy in things and I made it work and I was successful, but, but I was dying inside. And it wasn't until my mother was literally dying and she had some troubles with different 
aspects. And she was in the hospital with, after an accident. And she was, I was holding her hand and she turned to me and she just said, what have I done with my life? And I was oh, like, ooh. and that was all she said that night to me. And she didn't talk to my sisters. And we used to have late night talks and we hadn't had late night talks in a while because of coming out and stuff. And I, she said that to me, for me to ask myself that question, what am I doing with my life? And I had been working in this career and I was like, I love to perform and I'm not performing. And I'm dying inside because I'm trying to perform at a business meeting, which is fine. And it was responsible and it was fun. But I was like, I could be in that bed tomorrow, just like her dying and saying, what have I done with my life? That's not going to happen. Now it didn't just change overnight, but that began the process of starting to say, okay, what do you love? And you know, having the conversation with my husband and having, you know, how do I, how do I do this more like a part-time job so that it's still being fulfilled? Cause I just wasn't performing at all. And it was, I just felt like a shell and, and, and I filled that shell with alcohol, you know, because I was just like, you know, I, and I wasn't making money when I first performed, I wasn't doing, uh, incredible things. I was just getting on the stage. <laughs> period. And I was lousy. You know what I mean? It was just, I mean, but I, I felt alive again. And that began the process of like, you know, what do I love, you know, doing what I love. But again, ebbs and flows in that process, uh, you make the comparison with somebody else. Oh, I have to do and look like them. And, and, and that's the mistake. And it's so subtle. It's just this subtle line to stay on. Um, but oftentimes the most simple things are the hardest to do, right? You know, you want to lose weight, work out and eat, right? That's it. There are all these other things that people are saying are other ways, but that's the way you do it. <laughs> so you want to be happy, you know? you got to love yourself and do what you love. That's it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can complicate. I mean, and, and, and certainly, I shouldn't say complicate. There's certainly everybody learns in different ways and we find different paths, but it's that simple. And we all know that answer, that little boy or girl, or in my case, little boy, girl, girl, boy, fella was screaming inside. I want to be on stage. I knew, I knew it. As a matter of fact, I went to a psychic early on in my life and they said, you're going to spend a lot of time with computers, but when you're middle-aged, you're going to be on stage and you're going to be, and something about wigs. And I was like, wigs, well, that must be, you know? But there it was again, you know, it was this, this, this image that I, that I, uh, that I could see and I could hold to that, you know, okay, but ugh, we're not promised time, you know? So yeah. Anyway, my rant. <laughs> oh, no, I, you can rant anytime you want <laughs> on the show. Uh, I, I do believe that that's, that's something that's so important because we get overwhelmed. Well, as we get older too, we have more responsibilities, right? We, we have a family, we have a more, you know, if, if, if you're lucky enough to have a mortgage, that's great, but you have all these responsibilities. And so what happens is that people tend to rely on those things, those jobs that at least pay the bills. And the idea of stepping out of that comfort zone and doing something that you absolutely love and not knowing if you're going to make money at it, what, what I always tell people too, I said, cause I'm, again, again, I'm, I'm not foolhardy. Um, what I would do is I, I would have my job. I had my, that my, my bread and butter, right. I knew that money was coming in and I loved, the thing was, was that even with that job, I loved what I was doing. So that means I was really good at what I was doing and that was job security. But at the same time, there was other things that I wanted to do and I managed to do, do a little bit of this on the side while I'm doing this. And then you can feel it, it. It's when you're living your passion, when you're doing what you're passionate about, opportunities just open. That's, that's just, that's how it is. Opportunities open. You'll meet the right, you'll meet a person who's, who can work with you, who can inspire you in different ways. And it's just, I encourage people to step outside that comfort zone a little bit of, yes, this is secure. To going after what they're really passionate about it's so yeah. and well like anything else if it's a if it's a step or a ladder you can't get to the top you know 
uh, step without, you know, the ones in between. So for me, for performing, you know, I would do it on a part-time basis a couple nights a week. And as time went on and as the opportunity of RuPaul's Drag Race happened, then Mr. Davis, Steve, and I had conversations about what was realistic and what was appropriate to make the changes at the time. So I, I, I agree with you. And I, I also think that, um, you know, when we say do what you love, it doesn't mean uh, abandon who you love, <laughs> you know, your families and ignore those things. But um, what better way to teach uh, a child in life is that I'm, I'm doing what I love and I'm loving who I, you know, one of the best things my husband ever did was to get divorced and show his children that, you know, uh, I am going to be true to myself and I'm going to be honest with your mother and, and it's helped them become the women that they've become in that, in that whole process. So, you know, those, those tough times, those tough examples of maybe changing a job and having to have multiple jobs and live somewhere else to follow what you love teaches those children more than you could have if you just stayed miserable in the job that paid well. So true. And, and especially with relationships, you're teaching your children every day what love is, what a re good relationship is. And if you're staying in a relationship because, uh, well, you know, bills are being paid, right? You're, you're also teaching them to put up with, you know, if it's abuse or, or a lackluster, no love type, and that's what they're going to follow as well. I love right. you, you, um, one thing that you, you love to, um, talk about is the importance of celebrating each other's uniqueness and, and difference. And I think this is really key when it comes to anyone who's a coach or who wants to be a coach or a consultant or a speaker, an entrepreneur in general, or even a podcaster, you know, we tend to want to do what others, you know, in other words, mirror what other people are doing that are successful. But I like the idea of really celebrating our own uniqueness and tapping into things that make us different. Can you talk about that? Because I know that was, well, that was something that you had to deal with, you know, really early on. But for, for people who are either maybe starting out in business or trying to get that recognition that they want the importance of celebrating your own uniqueness. That goes back to self-love, I know, but um, also being, because it's like a little, that snowflake story, right? It's the same thing. You are so unique with what, with who you are, what you are, and how you present yourself to the world. I just want to get your spin on that a little bit. Well, yeah, and I, I think we as a, mm, we celebrate and we get excited for overnight sensations, you know, uh, and then we try to emulate, well, that happened quick because we want things fast um, and that happened quick for them. So I'm going to be like X, Y, Z. And first of all, you can't, uh, it's never going to be authentic. And in that inauthentic, like if you're not being authentic, you can't answer an email and join a Zoom podcast uh, recording and answer questions honestly if you're trying to be somebody else, yeah. right? I couldn't confidently say yes and I couldn't confidently begin to, to be here and to answer these questions if I was trying to fit somebody else's mold because yes. I'm not telling the truth. And the truth is what people are attracted to. And it doesn't matter if you're over technology or you're face-to-face, -face, if you're on a stage or if you're in an interview room, if you're not telling the truth, it's, there's no, it doesn't sync up. And I, and I've been on both sides of that. You know, I've been where like, you know, I wasn't being myself and I, I don't like, and I would say to my direct reports, I can't get through to this person. Well, it's because I'm not being, I'm not being truthful. I'm not being like authentically, uh, you know, myself. And I think that it starts with children because we, again, as parents try, you know, I'm passionate about my story time with children. And in that, in that celebration of story time, we're, we are, I am being Mrs. Kasha Davis and I don't explain anything to the kids. It's Mrs. Kasha Davis. If they have a question, we answer it. 
they know that Mrs. Kasha Davis is a fabulous lady who likes to read books and, and, and talk about loving yourself. But also in that process, we talk about if you happen to see somebody different in the world, different meaning anything, glasses, drag, you know, whatever. Disabled, disabled, yeah. You, you know, treat them with kindness. Because we are brought up to try to make ourselves look good by making fun of these people that happen to stand out and that are different. And because they stand out and are maybe physically different, then you're not willing to be yourself in life because you might get made fun of. See, you, you see what I mean? So it's like the blatant, obvious, different people get made fun of. So if I am struggling with trying to be myself, instead I try to follow the fold and I, and I, and I, I rob the world of that beautiful light because I'm not, I'm not being honest and I'm not being me because I don't want to get made fun of. So if we can start early about celebrating people's uh, uniqueness and celebrating that and being kind, just simply being kind. Just you be don't kind. Have, yes. yes. <laughs> don't have to bully and make fun of somebody for whatever. It's and, so true. Uh, yeah. And it is going to be an ongoing process in this world, but that's where I, be, I believe it starts is with our, with the kids. And my passion is too, uh, I'm working on it and we've got pitches out there, but to have the first, you know, drag queen story time television show uh, on television where, you know, it's, a, it's, it's the fun and the flamboyant drag of like a Pee Wee's Playhouse, the, you know, the set and the costumes, but the honesty of a Mr. Rogers. We're going to talk about real stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, these these children's books that I have been encountering are a magical, wonderful messages for children of all ages. Truly. I have, okay, so my intuitive guidance, I have full chills going down my arms and up my neck. So however it comes to fruition, it's going to happen. And I don't know, I don't know what form it's going to take, but it's definitely going to happen because you just said that that fun a fantasy-like feeling of a Pee Wee's Playhouse, and yet the heart and the those beautiful lessons from Mister Rogers. That blending is just a, a surefire hit. I mean, anybody that's watching this right now, I, 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 if, contact Mrs. Katja Davis if she hasn't already <laughs> sold this to yeah. you know to a major network. But yeah, I can I can definitely. Um, you know, and feel that. And here's the thing. Thank you. A major network or, you know, a, a, a small production that builds, you know, a live th theater uh, performance is what I've done pre-COVID. Um, and now I'm, I'm, I'm doing a, a minor version of it on, uh, on Facebook live and Instagram live and all that kind of stuff. But that television program for the kids to have that moment because they want that. They live in the magic land. If you say yeah. to a child, what will you be when you grow up? And they answer a unicorn, they believe it. And you know what? Good for them because they should. As a child, it's all, that is, that is a place that we all, as we get older, we always want to go back to, you know, that mystery and that joy of the color and the, and the possibility. But to be able to sit down uh, and take right from the news protests for Black Lives Matter are happening and we're going to sit down Mrs. Kasha Davis in a circle with kids and talk about what does it feel like to hear these things and how, how are we feeling and what can we do and how can we be kind because it not only helps those children to be heard and to yes. listen but the parents to be able to like continue the conversation right and so we would of course have people helping us helping us with those things but the idea is that you know too often the kids are told like go go over there and watch TV or go play your game or you know your screen time. Let's have that honest conversation and let's do it together, you know, and then get right back to fun. And I think um, I think it's missing, and I think it would be it would be wonderful. I mean, it's drag is just a a, a marvelous marvelous way to uh, I think exaggerate so many things and to bring things to light uh, gender sexuality uh just you know your confidence levels 
and different things. And so it's just spreading like, like, you know, a virus, and but we don't want a vaccine for drag. No, um, it's spreading everywhere. <laughs> you know, it's everywhere, and people love it because it's that exaggeration, and then it brings you back to you know to your real life. And and well, it's 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 this explosion of creativity and energy, and when you're just a part of it, I mean, just my conversation with you has changed me. You know. It's, it's changed me. It's set my mood for the day, obviously, but also my encounter and, and interaction with you has forever changed me in some beautiful way. And I think when you do that with adults, it's, it's wonderful, but also with children who really need that and they need to feel seen and heard, you know, that's, I think the, probably the most important thing, but also what's possible. And you present that, you represent that, what's possible, you right. know, in a beautiful, fun, loving way. So I wish you all the success in the world uh, with that. And if you ever want to do a podcast or a video YouTube channel, you know who to talk to because I'm, I'm here for you, girl. I'm here. You know I appreciate that because, you know, I've had, I've been a guest on podcasts and I've thought of podcasts. And, you know, I don't know uh, if the kids are going to necessarily be listening to podcasts. Maybe they do. But I am always open and, and I always like. I'll tell you something. I'm going to tell you a little secret. Let's come over to the microphone over here. Okay. Real quick. Yeah. okay. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> uh, children's podcasts are in great need and desire right now. There's not many of them. The ones that are are not very good, but also YouTube, when you make this available to YouTube to a global audience and they get to see you, then you'll get a lot of subscriptions. Then you'll get the money coming in from the ads because they're gonna go, oh my God, everybody wants to watch this. So you might think about that, then have that as your launch pad. And then the network will come knocking at your door. I'm just saying, that's that's what I, the hit I'm getting, yeah. I appreciate that. And I love that moment, you know, because that could be some a moment with the kids show. Now we're going to talk quietly over here for a second. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and because kids love that kind of stuff, you know, well, I did. I loved it. Come, um, we're come all closer, come closer, come closer. <laughs> <laughs> My eyes, I have a little, since I was little, I have one eye that kind of goes to the side. I don't know all what right. it is. I have not a clue what it is, but um, that's maybe why yeah, that's probably why I do the classes so young. Um, Mrs. Kasha Davis, it has been an absolute treat having you on Out of the Box with Christine. And I want to have you back on anytime you want. Any Anytime you want, we could talk about so many different things, but I would love to have you back on. And can we please let's tell um, our wonderful listeners and viewers how they can reach you, how they can connect with you. What's the best way? Through your website? I'll tell you, uh, the best thing is if you go on this new uh, technology called the WWW. Yes. <laughs> Mrs. Kasha Davis, I'm on Instasnatch, Twitter, FacePlace, and now TikTok. I don't know why, why we're talking to the clock in the kitchen wall, but we are. So if you just find Mrs. Kasha Davis, I'm the one. So you'll find me on those places. And, uh, and I'm just so delighted to say that Workhorse Queen, the documentary about my story and my journey, is making its way to film festivals all around the world. So I'm hoping that we'll be there in Australia, but uh, we just had our premiere in, at Slamdance in LA, uh, February um, 12th through the 25th, this Thursday. And so that, but we, we, we the marketing people, I won't, they don't let me know too much, but it's being scheduled uh, all over for the next uh, you know, year or so. So I'm excited about that. I want to see it. When can we see it? Where can we see it? <laughs> we have to it's, wait. It's, we have to wait. Well, yeah. you, yes, you can go to the uh, Insta uh, Instagram page of Workhorse Queen, and you'll see the announcements of of where where it will be. You know, we're again we're in talks with streaming platforms and things to that effect. But right now we're on the film festival circuit, which is streaming. So okay, Netflix, Hulu. What's the other one? Right? Amazon. Exactly. Come on now, jump it's gonna on happen. this. It's going to happen. It's it's it's, it's a, a no-brainer. Well, it's a lot of what we're talking about, and it's about you know not giving up and your community, and uh, you know following your dream and that keeping that light alive. Ah, uh, I love you, Mrs. Kasha Davis. Oh well, I love you too. This has been a joy. I'm so glad that we got to connect. 
Me too. Thank you so very much. And folks, um, if you want to make sure that you get all the links we were talking about so you can reach out to Mrs. Kasha Davis, you will include that in the show notes. You can just click on them and um, and please do check out her Instatwat, whatever it's called. What it's <laughs> Instasnatch. Instasnatch. Twatter. And Twatter. Face and yeah, face I mean, and what and face plate what face? face face place it's that place where your face is up yes you know the i just use those because they're silly and uh mrs kasha davis is you know she's the suburban housewife just trying to keep up with all this technology because you know what i still do i still send mr davis and i still send our daughters a postcard once a week uh with something oh. nice on it because you can't forget snail mail you know they that that deserves a, a shout out but too. are you able to to write cuz i write like like a like I'm two now because <laughs> I'm so well, used to typing and you know this well, I can't write anymore. They can't read my writing, but they can read his. <laughs> so mine just usually just says la 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 love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you so much again, Mrs. Costa Davis, aka Ed, aka Ed Popel. You are you'll always be Mrs. Costa Davis to me though. Oh. And say hello to the <laughs> hubby for me, all right? I will. He's just finishing dinner. So here we go. Woo Send my love and, and stay warm and cozy there in New York. I know it can get really cold in the winter. Um, but thanks so much. And thank you, wonderful listeners and viewers, for tuning in. If you want to make sure you never miss another episode of Out of the Box with Christine, make sure on video you subscribe and uh, hit that bell so you can be notified. And thank you so much. Until next time, as I always say, remember to think outside of that damn box. Bye for now. Bye.